biggest thing is the ability to make an impact. From that moment onwards, we moved from being a brand that advertised to a brand that communicated. We collaborate with our clients and over time we try and get them to fire us. You must have to have really difficult conversations. I want to see no office wall. I want to see everything covered in ideas. There's so much data available that you can kind of get dazzled by it. And I have What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Hello, my name is Katie Sando and welcome to the Marketing Forum podcast. We are on episode 30. I know, amazing. So Charlotte Williams uh, joins us. So she's founder of 76 Agency, which was created as a direct response to the lack of diversity with the ad industry and influencer marketing. Her agency now looks after creators and talent, delivers training, has an influencer network and also delivers consultancy services to support brands um, in purpose-led campaigns, amongst other things. Charlotte, if you don't already know her, is a bit of an influencer herself as well. I shouldn't say a bit of an influencer, she's straight up an influencer. Um, so check her out, she's on Instagram, she's got some fantastic content. Um, so in this conversation, we are talking about the broader influencer marketing space, how it's evolving, uh, we talk about all things from a brand perspective and a talent perspective, the need for inclusive marketing and where brands can start if they aren't already on their journey to um, much more inclusive marketing. So um, I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us on the Marketing Forum podcast. Um, I'm sorry, no, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great to have you. Um, so I really wanted to start, we're going to talk today about um, kind of inclusive marketing, particularly in the influencer space and that kind of whole world. Um, I'm really interested in your journey into it. So, you know, now you've got seven, six agency, but what made you see that this was an opportunity or it was just something that was almost like a personal mission or, or you know, anything like that? Yeah. So I started, so I started my career in marketing in social media um, I, I always joke that I've had the same job since I started working and I kind of have. So I started when I was at uni, I studied languages at uni. When I was at uni, I, I was doing kind of like freelance work here and there for a couple of small brands, some that don't even exist anymore. And um, just like on their social. But then I also started on a personal level, started a blog. So I was, I got into like the influencer world before it was an influencer for the term existed yeah. um, quite early on. So I've straddled since about 2010 I've straddled creator world and social media marketing and forever so which has been a big driver as to why I launched the business because I, I'm able to see things on both sides and um, so in 2018 after working in-house um, for eight years I decided to go freelance so I was working previously I worked in e-learning for this amazing company um, that was a UK, US-based company, market leader in what it did. So I did a lot of content marketing for them and social media and then events working with the influencers of the e-learning world, which is a thing. They do exist. That's niche. And <laughs> very niche. And then I moved from there to Sanrio and I headed the Hello Kitty brand and I was the digital marketing manager for the e EMEA markets for Hello Kitty and other character brands and then um, after that I moved to War Nails which no longer exists but um, was a cult nail salon in London 
um, owned by Sharmadine Reed, who is a was a beauty tech founder, now a tech founder. Um, she's the founder of The Stack, um, which is a platform for um, kind of women's networking and um, progression. And then, yeah, so when I was working at WA, I was I just saw for the first time female entrepreneurship. Hadn't really seen that before. And I've had like women managers in the past, but they've all, bar one, they've always been not, I don't want to say this, I'm saying not that great, <laughs> but like they haven't been like, you know, driven inspiring. Driven women, inspiring. Yeah. Like I hadn't had anyone that like really inspired me to like want to do my job. I've always just loved my job. And then I, I worked at one, I had two women managers and also two black women managers, which I've never had. And um, they were wicked and seeing all these people come through the business. It was super inspiring and seeing people start businesses. And what was a super inclusive place, like anyone would walk in. So it's a, it was a nail salon, but also a community. So I'd see any type of person walk in to get their nails done from like, you know, Soho drag queens to this like builder guy who would come in with his Alsatian and get a pedicure, you know, like, the the contrast was wow. so rough. Like, it was like very community led around Soho, um, and then all these like amazing founders and entrepreneurs and artists and singers. So I really enjoyed it, and I thought, oh, maybe I could start my own business as well. Because when I went freelance, I started working with more and more brands, and I'd realised as well that you know I'm really good at my job, which I'm not going to lie, I am, and I've done a really good job at working in the influencer space and working with the like a real diverse group of creators but then other people just haven't and they don't and they didn't um so I was getting a lot of complaints from my creator friends around the influencer space a lot of them are slash at the time were creators who are people of color or from like niche groups they might have been you know a plus size creator or a mid-size creator or um lgbt or they, they have something that's not like the social norm within the creative industry at that time. And um, I was getting all these complaints. So I was like, but these people are so good and they have such great networks and engagement. And like the brands literally aren't seeing them. And I, I found it really confusing. It's like brands have all this budget and they're basically just booking one person over and over and over again. So that there were lots of creators that they were working with, but they looked like one person their demographic was one person they were basically only marketing to one person it was the industry was just not in my opinion not working and not a financially viable industry because you know there's so many more people out there that need to be marketed to to get money like essentially marketing is a money-making industry so I built my business on the back of that of like right so no one's really doing this so I'm just gonna do it so it was to pair brands and creators together so that brands could see, you know, all these new, new quote unquote, even though they've been doing it for a long time, but new creators, they could diversify their, their reach and like get to re- a great audience. And then the creators could just get paid. And that was, that's what I wanted to do. So now it's, we're three years in um, and we're still going strong. We work with so many incredible brands and I'm so grateful for everyone that has kind of like invested in us um not we haven't got investment but invest in us as a small agency sure, we're really trying to like make a difference um and yeah 
it's really interesting because it was I didn't have like a, a grand plan I just kind of said yeah I'm going to do this and then luckily with um with marketing you don't or with agencies you don't really need any investment um especially if it's social media because you kind of just wake so up yeah you, you, start, yeah, you, you get one client and then you're, you're fine and then you go, you grow from there and that's what I was able to do so I'm, I'm yeah really having a good time I, I just had a meeting with someone where I, was, I had to explain the business um and I was like we've done well it's, I know we've worked with a lot of cool creators it's good I think I think what's so great about what you do is that it's um you know what you're really clear about your niche you know yeah. you really but you aren't but then equally you're not one-dimensional because you've got the um influencer network right where you're yeah. saying to influencers if you're if you're good and you're a creator um join blah, 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 blah. And then you're also saying, right, businesses will help you find people that you don't know who to look for. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what I mean. It's like, it's not one dimensional because you're not just like, oh, I'm one or the other, um, but you're equally really clearly in that space. Yeah, I think I really wanted to have that kind of 360 approach of like, and it makes sense because I am a creator. I know what it takes to make content and to work with the brands and what that looks like. But I'm also someone who pays creators and has managed hundreds of campaigns. And so I know both sides. And for us, I really, when we work with brands, we really want to just showcase our knowledge of like, yeah, you can do this, but this is what it's like for a creator. So maybe if you did it this way, you'd get, you know, more bang for your buck or something better out of it because this is how the creators think and work so we're really able to work on both sides with creators giving them the information that they need to like really do better and be amazing but then with brands to get the most out of creators and and get into those niche audiences and and just really grow their business so yeah what I suppose so what I'm really interested in as well is talking about the so inclusive marketing I'm really interested in your take of like, so how do you see it? Like, so how do we get brands to, if maybe they're not consciously engaging in it and they need to, where do you encourage them to start? So I think it's really important to understand what it is. So we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion. And I really see that as like divert, like diversity within your workplace, like diversifying, so, excuse me, diversifying your team and ensuring that you know what's going on at at home basically and then inclusive marketing is like what you're putting out to the world so with that you have to have your dni structure down you have to know internally what your pain points are where you fall short and what you're going to do to correct that you know the biggest the easiest thing is to you know hire a load of new people to diversify your team but unfortunately for a lot of brands agencies and organizations that's just not plausible because you don't have budget you don't need new staff you don't have budget and you can't just fire people because they're not you know fitting into like a diversity checkbox so I think it's important to understand where your problems are and then think of ways to um to correct them be that working with really good suppliers from different backgrounds or ensuring that the creators that you work with you have full understanding of you know their needs and and how they work um but for me, inclusive marketing is just literally an understanding of how to work with people authentically and not tokenize marginalized communities and not 
tick box to an extent I do love a tick box so I am a person who believes in habit forming so if you don't know where to start create your list create your strategy and your plan make it a tick boxing exercise so that within you know a year and a half you no longer have to take the boxes because it just becomes innate to you that this is how it works this is these this is what's expected these are the kind of people you should be working with this is you know what's needed to run a successful campaign that is inclusive which is important not only ethically in my opinion but financially yeah I mean it's not just take the moral ethics aside commercially yeah it makes no sense to market to a single audience type exactly and I think also for me particularly in the social space and this is way more your space than mine but my the way I view it is Social media and working with influencers and creators is an opportunity to get other people to interpret your brand in their way, in their voice. Yeah. So why would you pick people that would just do that in the same way all of the time and probably really in the same way that you might also articulate it? It just, again, it just, it's a misuse of social media to me. But I don't know, I'm interested in your view on that. No, that is something that I talk about a lot. Um, we had a discussion in house actually yesterday about this with creators how brands basically speak to even if they do pick incredibly diverse I hate using the word diverse but incredibly diverse creators and they've got like this campaign where you know it's like the rainbow of different ethnicities and then they've got you know LGBT people thrown in and then they've got people with visible disabilities and it's all perfect and then they give them the brief and they're like you have to follow this yeah And it's like, no, come on. Like the reason you're working with these people is because they're able to reach an audience that you can't let them reach it in the way that Mm. the audience wants to be spoken to or wants to, you know, receive the content through. So I find that it's, it blows my mind that this still happens, but I think this happens for two reasons. One, um, I find that brands are just so rigid still and they don't have, full trust in the creator space um, because maybe they've had issues in the past so they just don't see the professional side of creators all the time, which is a shame. And secondly, I don't think a lot of talent managers push enough for their creators. So if you have um, a creator that fits into a certain niche and you're not pushing for their strengths, be that they might be a dancer and you're getting them campaigns where they're wearing like fashion pieces. This is nothing to do with, you know, diversity in this sense. This is just like a, a just, yeah, a, a random example. They're a dancer, but you're, you're getting them a fashion campaign and you're just asking them to take photos. Like, why are you not asking them to dance in the clothes? Mm. The brand has come to them because they're a dancer, but you're going to just get them to do like a, a normal brief. You need to fight for your creators to ensure that they don't, dilute their message they don't kind of change for the for the ads for the for the brands and that they're actually doing stuff that um is true to them so that dance could be that could mean anything that could be you're a certain creator that speaks in a certain vernacular and then a brand's made you change how you speak because it doesn't fit in with their brief or you know you need to look a certain way you need to do a certain thing agency owners and talent managers really need to ensure that they're fighting for their creators to make sure that as much as they want to get the gigs they're educating the brands into how these people work 
So yeah, I think there's a lot of people at fault here. Um, and also a lot of creators don't want to fight because they might lose the gig. So they don't yeah. want to be like, oh, I I could do this instead. Let me do this. Because if it doesn't work out, then they might not get another job or, you know, whatever it might be. So there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And I feel like that's why the space, the influencer space specifically is just still so, so young. We are, people keep saying how young, how young it is. Um, we're only like really 10 years in, but I think it's still so young because no one's really thought about the evolution as much as they should have. Yeah, I'm really interested in that. I want to pick your brains around where you think it's going because I, you know, I definitely think when it started out, you know, people were just like, oh, you know, like, great, this person has a following, let's yeah. just ask them, sort of thing. And now I think um, it's moving into a lot of these influencers have got more eyeballs on them than some media outlets. So we have yeah. to, as marketers, start looking at it as serious advertising in the way that you would approach um you know an agreement with um you know a media company or outdoor advertising whatever it may be and I think I still think that there's a bit of an informality sometimes around like you know it's just influences it's just social media and I just think for me it's going to get more and more that influencers and creators are going to hold the power mm. around it I'm interested in your view around where you think it's going no, I totally agree. I, I, it blows my mind how the influencer industry is still kind of being pushed to the side, how a lot of brand marketers, it's kind of belittled a little bit. And it's like, it's a massive part now. It's like a major part of the marketing mix. You can't put on a campaign without having an influencer tier to it. Um, it's proven, like the results are there. If you do a campaign properly, there is proof in the pudding that influencer campaigns work and what and sometimes work very well mm. and can be super cost effective compared to um, other forms of marketing. Um, but I think what we're going to see, we've seen a massive shift. So when the influencer marketing started, it was very much like um, trial and error. It was all testing. People like you throw some money at someone, but it was so little. See what happened now. I'm seeing a lot more concern around return on investment, um, understanding, <coughs> excuse me, exactly what people are going to get from working with these influencers because there are just so many creators um, that exist now that it's yeah, it's just mind blowing to to me how many how many influencers there are just on the internet. Everyone is an influencer, but what we're seeing a real focus on is professional influencers. So people who aren't just a creator or an influencer. And there is, for me, there is a difference. For an influencer, like, is the overall term. Anyone can be an influencer, but a creator, a content creator creates content, which normally is as good as or better than what you would see in a studio. Um, but we're seeing more and more professionals. So they're either incredible creators and that you can see the level of their work or their influencers who hold some sort of like professional job or capacity. So they might be a founder. So if you're talking about finance, if it's a bank, it's not just like a random influencer who's talking about bank. It's like, no, this is a business owner or someone who their job is within like the money world. If it's um, health wise, they'll get a doctor to come in and talk about it. It's, you know, an actual professional. And I see that evolution is really interesting 
and it's meaning that a lot of creators who have come into the into the, the creator world have had to level up because they're now like okay I either need to be a professional or I need to be really really good at creating content yeah. and there is there's not really room for anything else so yeah. it's I think it's a good thing because I don't think the amount of creators that we have <laughs> is a sustainable um, no. like business not every excuse me sorry I've got such bad hay fever today <clears throat> everyone can be a creator and everyone can be an influencer but you don't necessarily have the ability to influence no I agree so yeah. it's really important that there is kind of a, a level of of kind of professionalism in the space that we yeah we are asking for you know it's differentiating as well that kind of like you say around the you know, the stereotypical influencer talking about nutrition with no qualification to do yeah. so versus the professional nutritionist that has a genuine audience and can create. And I think it's that credibility piece. And yeah. it used to be like, oh, they're an influencer. They don't know about nutrition. And now it's like, no, they're professional nutritionists, but they also happen to have influence. Yeah. And so I totally get what you're saying in terms of like, it's very hard for the amateur <laughs> nutritionist <laughs> to compete when you've got you know, but also, I think that's great. Yes, I don't same. think an influencer should be talking about nutrition. Like no, no, I no. get probably once a week now, I will get a partnership opportunity with a supplement brand. I don't I hardly even take vitamins, so I don't know why they keep hitting me up. But I should not be giving people advice on what supplements to take. No. Like I, I have a lot of like gut issues and like personal stuff. So I can talk about my personal experiences. But I shouldn't be paid to, like, really cutting myself out of a gig here. <laughs> I shouldn't be paid to tell people about, like, medical stuff. No. Right? I mean, it's because, though, that whole sector is, like, it's not medical anyway, is it? Some of them are. Some of them uh, Some of them are good. But, um, yeah, so I just, I th- I'm excited for this, um, this new kind of theme that we're yeah, seeing yeah. from professional creators. Um, and that means two things professional creators and creators who are professionals um because it just means that if you want to do this job you have to be serious about it and some my biggest criticism of the industry is and it's it's a good thing and a bad thing but like anyone can be a creator but I think it's great that anyone can do it but also it does belittle the job sometimes when you see people they're like I'm a creator I'm, I'm an influencer they've bought they've bought their followers they don't really have the engagement but they're still getting work because brands aren't really looking into that and um yeah it's just I'm excited to see a bit of like professionalness so if you were going to sort of give some tips out to people listening around this so it sounds to me like you definitely be like professionalize around you know for example the what you just said then where uh, somebody might have followers but they don't have engagement and people are still so it's like stop being lazy around yeah they've got followers it's like the engagement the insights that you need yeah is that the sort of thing that you would be looking at I I'd be careful with how I say that because the engagement if we think about Instagram right now the app is just changing constantly and with that we see fluctuations in, in engagement yeah. and, and and things and it it's really hard for a lot of creators I, I actually had a call um with uh, my contact at Instagram yesterday about this and we we're talking about mental health around creators and and the algorithm and you know generally engagement is really low right now so I think it's really important that as a 
business or an agency, you just have a really big understanding of the industry. Sure. So it's important that you see engagement as a, a, a big, um, a, an important factor. So when you look at creators, you look at their content and you see, I would go more off of um, visual engagement now than looking on like an engagement calculator because they fluctuate so much because of the app. Um, so I would look at look at the content, look at the people that are replying, look at the quality of the audience that are in that person's um, in that person's uh, comments. And then I would ask the creators that you want to work with, ask them for some insights. So some screenshots of some campaigns that they've done in the past or their link clicks, just so you can have an understanding of where they where they sit. Um, yeah so engagement is important but you also have to know that mm. there are times where someone's engagement can be cut completely in half for no reason just I know, because, yeah. just because of the app it. so you have to really know the industry I just and I feel like this is something that people don't get a lot like I was criticized um recently for having really poor engagement by someone in the industry and I was like yeah but look at everyone else and they we had a look at like 10 of like our influencers that we know and love that we think are all doing really well and everyone's engagement's been cut by half and yeah, then- because the thing is with Instagram at the moment like it's like suggested follow somebody you do follow suggested follow somebody you do follow and yeah it, like you know you can't even I, these days I can't even work out who I follow who I don't follow yeah it's really confusing I've actually muted you can I, I realized yesterday because I was like I need to stop this I don't want anymore and you can mute suggested follows for 30 days oh fun yeah so I have <laughs> oh good oh, um but yeah there's just so much going on and I think something to also think about there's so many people on the app there's so many new creators there's so much content out there that engagement is probably going to go down as well because there's so much choice. So like yeah. if you're a beauty creator and we were talking about this yesterday with Instagram, if you're a beauty creator, there are so many beauty creators. There's so many people making videos that your content's going to get lost in that sea and your audience has so much choice that, and it's their choice is doubled, tripled, quadrupled that they might not see your content because they're fishing through everyone else's. Whereas if you're a real niche creator, that's where it's at right now. If you're yeah. doing something really niche and really either funny or meme worthy or like niche serving some type of community, that's where you're going to see massive engagement because you're not fighting for views mm. because you're one of the few people that are doing it. Isn't there also an element, though, that it's not just about and totally shoot me down if I'm totally off piece, but it's not just about um, audience anymore. If you're working with creators, it's about their creativity and their perspective yeah. and what they're producing. So engagement is only maybe it's a third, like maybe you care a third about if that. I always say that there's three types of influencer to work with. So you have the content creator that you can repurpose their content. So sure. once they have created that content, you hopefully have bought the rights and you could do whatever you want with it. And that could go on your website, your, your social media, your newsletter, whatever it might be. But you've saved so much money from working with an influencer compared to working with a studio. So that's like, that's one big job. Then you have the sales pusher. So that person is going to bring traffic to your website or, um, 
sell out your products or whatever it might be, and they are going to make you money. Um, And then the third one is brand awareness. So that might be someone that is linked to really good publications or other people in your in your space or whatever it might be. So they might be a fashion influencer that all of the fashion editors follow. So as soon as they post about your brand, all of the likes of Sheerlux and Who, What, Where and Grazia and Elle and Vogue, they're all going to come over to your page, see your product and get you press. Mm. So sometimes you can find someone that's all three. That is rare. (laughs) Um, If you can find someone who does two, that's fantastic. But even if it's someone that does one, they each have their space. They Mm. each have their purpose. And each one of those influencers are important to your campaign. So if you're putting a campaign on, try to find someone with three of those qualities, but also make sure that someone is hitting each one of those, those important kind of pillars. Can can I talk to you a bit about your agency? So um, the evolution of that, did you, uh, so when you obviously started off, did you think like, I'm going to consult or did you want to build an agency? What's your kind of agency journey been? It's been quite interesting because I think when I started, I didn't really know what I wanted it to be. Um, It started off as a consultancy Mm -hmm. and I liked that. That was fine. But then in 2020, through both COVID and the push to digital and then um, Black Lives Matter, we grew really quickly. We got loads of work and then I had to build more of a and like a proper agency not a consultancy um so I went from being like a one woman band with an assistant to having a team of eight people and an office like practically overnight which was amazing we've now scaled down because we're moving in a slightly different direction now because I realized we for what we want to do what our purpose is that setup is isn't work it's not going to work and we have, yeah, we scaled down, scaled down the business a little bit. And we're now working really hard in the creator world, in the educational side, because that is really what is going to make a difference and what's going to change the industry and what is going to make, just make it better for everyone. So our focus is there, but yeah, I had no plan. I I, I was quoted the other day um, in a magazine, but I said, I had no plan for the business, but it didn't just happen. Like everything that we've done, the team have worked really hard to get there. And we've had like plans in general, but we didn't have like a business strategy. Like mm-hmm. I didn't make a a business plan until I was two years into the business. And I only did that because I got a mentor and I was having problems with certain things. And she was like, what does your business plan say? And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. Let I don't me have just one. write it. Yeah. She was like, what? I was like, oh, um which now we laugh about and I have a plan which is great um but and it's now evolving and changing into something else which is also great and it's 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 exciting but when I first started it I kind of winged it which I wouldn't recommend I wouldn't I definitely went the harder way around running a business I hadn't like hadn't run a business before so it was all a bit like trial and error but now I know so much and I know exactly where I want to take the business and and what we can do and what our purpose is I always knew what the purpose is but now seeing it actually come to light and seeing us help the people that we've helped and and do stuff we do I'm just like oh yeah I know exactly what's going on this is great but yeah it was a it's been a three-year whirlwind (laughs) 
So are you looking to move more into that when you say education space, you mean as in like training marketers and yeah. brands around so, what this means? Yeah. So most of my time is actually taken up through inclusive marketing workshops and training or talks, um, which I found last year really hard because I was doing that. But then I was also trying to run the business mm. and we were doing all these campaigns and I wasn't around and it, it just wasn't working. So now I've realized, you know, as much as it's great to run campaigns and we can do them so well, I would prefer to train people up to do to run these campaigns. And there are in yeah, so we no, 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 as in like train other agencies and train other brands. Okay. Um, because there are so many agencies out there that can do this. I don't mm. think running a, a, an influencer campaign is difficult. I think running a, an influencer campaign is difficult if you don't know how to do it properly. Mm. So I work with brands and agencies alike on understanding firstly the influencer space so I do a lot of strategy um uh sessions and consultancy around that but then also training them how to do and partake in inclusive marketing which is um which is just really rewarding and exciting and you know sometimes it doesn't it's not an overnight process so sometimes I'll do a training and think oh you know this is going to take a couple of years for them to really get because the companies are so messed up to really get um get this going but it's exciting to see the journey mm. um so I do that personally and then as a team we work with creators so we educate them on how to be a professional creator the things that you should be doing helping them with their their personal strategies not just as influencers but as business owners because we do forget that creators are entrepreneurs they are business owners some of them have like teams life. now don't they yeah a lot and I do advise a lot of creators if they don't have agents um, managing them, and I don't actually think a lot of people need an agent, we manage a few creators as their um, as their talent managers, which which is great. But not everyone needs that. No, I think yeah, some sure. people can get away with just having like a PA or an assistant to just to help them with a few things, and they can go out and, and get things themselves um, because they have kind of the business mind to do it. Um, but yeah, we we talk through all of that kind of stuff with with the creators that we work with, and yeah, just basically help them to be professionals in the space. And that that's something I'm I'm trying to build. I'm trying to build an army of like professional creators who just do really well, do the job, and get paid. Yeah, it's amazing. It um it's like a win 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 because it's yeah. like it's brilliant for the creators, it's brilliant for the brands, it's brilliant for the consumers. It's you know it's a happy trio. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I really wanted to, um, before I let you go, pick your brains a little bit about your personal journey. So mm. obviously you've gone from employed, you've taken on, you went to freelance consulting, building a business. I think it's really easy with, um, uh, I guess, social media in the main, but also probably the media in general, for us to forget that there's a lot of challenge behind some of these journeys, that it looks mm. like people just landed on the planet one day, you know, at 32 years old or whatever anyone is, and they're just like, they woke up successful. Yeah. And I think um, it's really useful to kind of unpick that a little bit for people so they understand that there was a journey, there was a process, there was a, there was a challenge. Were there any particular challenges that you faced um, on a really personal level that you've had to overcome or has it not felt like that for you? Do you know what one of my biggest challenges is, and I still struggle with it, um, I'm too nice. 
and it's like a really weird thing to say and I'm sure you are so nice Charlotte (laughs) I'm sure that I've had I've got some staff that will probably say well I've seen a not not nice side (laughs) seen angry Charlotte and it ain't pretty but apparently even when I'm angry I'm still cute which is I need to work on this oh my god I'd hit somebody if they said that to me when I was angry (laughs) yeah like it's really it's really bad like I I like shouted at someone once and then afterwards I was like I whatsapped someone else that was like in the room and they were like was that really bad? And they're like, what are you talking about? Did you even raise your voice? I was like, what? Are you joking? So <laughs> apparently, I, or I've got staff with really thick skin. I'm not sure. Anyway, I digress. I'm, I'm too nice. So I give a lot of my time for free. Um, I don't ask for, for money for a lot of things, which is to my own detriment. And I find it really difficult to, to navigate that space because something I, I find the problem that I have is that the influencer space is very male dominated. Weirdly, the majority of creators are women. Mm. Um, and a lot of the marketing <sighs> brand people who are putting the campaign together are women. But most of the agency owners, the CEOs, the founders, the majority of them are men. And majority of senior management who I tend to work with are men. So I have a lot of men and all of them are like middle-aged white men. And they all joke about it, but I'm always just like, no, oh, it's not funny. Guys, funny. let's like, yeah. it's a joke, but it's also not that funny. Um, middle-aged white men that pick my brain a lot and wow. or invite me to come and work, partner with them and do these things that are really big for the industry and they're really amazing. And I sit there and I think back and I'm like, I did all of this stuff. I worked personally for free, but these men are getting salaries. And big ones. Big ones. And all of these agencies are backed by massive companies and massive like funds. And we are not. We are bootstrapped. And I put a lot of my own personal money into the business. So I find it, it's kind of funny, but it's also really sad. I, I get a lot of people picking. I have a meeting this afternoon where I'm pretty sure it's a can I pick your brain meeting. Oh. And it's it's really difficult because I want to help the industry and I want to help people, but also my time needs to be paid for. So I'm something I'm working on is really ensuring that I'm paid for my time. And I, I find it really difficult because I just want to help. I'm the person, I'm the mother Teresa. I want to help everyone. Even like in friendship groups, I pick up friends. I'm like, Oh, she needs some help. Like <laughs> come join me, come sit with us. I'm that person. I always have been. Oh. Um, so if you look at my friendship group, it's like an odd mix of like random people that I've seen. I'm like, oh, you've met, you've just moved to London. Come, come and hang with my friends. Or, oh, you know this, come here. So um, I need to do better at that. But that's actually been one of the hardest parts of my journey because we are essentially a social impact business. We work um, as much as we make money through, you know, create the creator world. We work to train people to end racism like that is what that is my job um I work with creators mainly from minority groups to to ensure that they can get paid I am advocating for people yeah exactly so as much as you know I have this glossy life and I get to go to these amazing events and, and parties and I meet all these amazing people something that's often forgotten is everyone that I'm meeting is salaried yeah and I am not as much as I do take a salary from the business, if I like don't work, I can't be paid, you know? So yeah. I 100% get where you're coming from. It blows my mind. But this is the problem 
that I feel like a lot of people facing the industry coming up and that's why I do so much to try and help new agency owners as much as you know I always say I've learned things the hard way so I can just like dish out advice of what not not what not to do which is amazing so I can introduce people to the right accountant and, and help them with, with lots of different things um because I've done it all myself already and I've reached a pot the point in my business where I feel really comfortable where I'm at now but still they're they're at this level and then there's still so much that that happens like something happened the other day and I sent a really arsy email to someone because my company I did a load of work for free and my company wasn't named on the press release and I was like obviously I, I did this work because it's important but you have to give me something from it if it's not financial you know gain at least put me on the press release I think and, it's, um, it's really interesting like, oh my god it was a mistake I'm so sorry and I was like yeah but good enough. Yeah. there were men mentioned on here that they were mentioned there was no mistake for anyone else apart from me and this happens too much and like I can't be I can't give my time and then not be compensated in some way I think it's really interesting like what you're talking about because you've got this absolute social purpose this like you know you're making a real difference and so I suppose there's a part of you that's like I don't need to charge from that because it's having impact but equally people need your knowledge they need yeah they you've got a viewpoint and access and experience that they don't have so they should pay for it yeah so I need to be better at that that's that's one of my hardest things but it's something I've just hired a new assistant and that's actually something we um we've discussed it's like okay we just need to come up like I have I have a day right I have like all these, yeah. these numbers I just never charge anyone for it so now I'm like you're in charge of my meetings and my diary so if someone asks me for something I need you to ask them for money yeah like is there a budget for this is this yeah. consultancy or just a conversation because I'm so quick if someone asks me something I'm just like yeah cool just get it just send in it the to diary. me I'm busy to think I don't oh. even like even like when you put the podcast I was like yeah uh-huh. I didn't even read anything I was like cool I'll be here because some someone Joanne actually told me that she had spoken to you and she was like you want to go on her podcast I was like okay cool I didn't have, even have to read up I was like I know it's it's good so oh yeah, no too quick oh it's so it's like a really hard one though for you then isn't it because like you almost don't want to correct that because it's like kind of in a way it's it's like your superpower but then equally if people are taking advantage of it yeah I think for now I need I just need to understand um who it is I'm working with mm. so obviously if it's a small business and you know, I'm, hel- I'm helping someone like that. That's fine. But if it's, I work with a lot of massive agencies and if it's, and I, I just, I get kind of, they bring me in about how they want all want to work together and change the industry. And then I see like the press release and this happened a few times where it's like in uh, agency name are doing this. And then this person has helped. And it's like, well, I thought we were all in it together. Why is your agency named if we're all in it together? Shouldn't it be these four agencies are doing this together not you led it um so this happens quite a lot so now I just need to now I I'm fully aware of how it happened yeah. I'm just going to do a better job at saying I will only do this if this is yeah. the outcome these are the terms and conditions now. otherwise this is the payment try and do both I will try and do both <laughs> depending on what it is some things like there's no budget unfortunately with the DNI space there's not a lot of budget for certain things because yeah. it's nice to have and you have it's like you have to prove so a lot of things I'm doing is like helping people prove the concept 
which is ridiculous. I don't know. I think it's from my outside perspective, you are at the beginning of what is going to hugely develop as an industry, not diversity like you call EDI. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about social influence and the power of it within uh, marketing. And then that kind of the social impact piece Mm. on top of that. I think it's just going to be, I think it, yeah. I'm just going to watch as you just go like massive. Thanks. (laughs) I'll be here like, I spoke to her on a podcast. This is episode, insert number, Charlotte was there. (laughs) That would be nice. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for your time Charlotte I, I, it's like it's funny because obviously having this conversation I am you know I'm really aware it's always interesting with um the podcast because it it is something where you're always asking people to share their experience yeah um and I'm always aware of trying not to take up people's time because you're talking to people whose time is of value yeah um, but I guess my justification is I feel like the conversations are really important that they're heard. Yeah, 100%. I have a podcast as well and I always feel really bad because I'm like, hey, can you just please come on? I know you're busy, but I really need you for this episode. And then just like, oh, but, you know, podcasts are great and they are so big right now. Everyone's listening to something and it's a really good way to get any message out. So for a lot of people, it's a PR requirement. And if you had a PR manager, they'd be like, you need to go on this podcast, this podcast. podcast." Mm. So yeah, I think it's important to do this because I had this, um, one of my interns actually back in the day, she listened basically to every single podcast episode that I've ever been on, which is quite a lot and knew everything about me because yeah. Do you know what? That is one of the things I hear the most back from previous podcast guests is they say to me, I spoke to a journalist, they knew everything. And um, and when I asked them how they knew all of that, they listened to my episode. And they are like amazing for research. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. They're really important. I think podcasts are everything right now. I think if you don't have a podcast in your business, you're really missing out. We don't currently have one. <laughs> I have a separate podcast, but we are, we are building one um, at the moment. And I just think it's just such an incredible way. And you can repurpose so much of the content. So mm. it's like a podcast is a blog. It's a YouTube video. It's a whatever you, a soundbite for social media. It's whatever you want it to be. It's quotes. Yeah. It's, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and your time. And um, yeah, I think it's really important what you're doing and I love it. And um, I can't wait to see where it all goes. Thank you so much and thank you for having me. Thanks, Charlotte. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Marketing Forum podcast. If you are not already, please do like and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media or subscribe to our mailing list to find out more about episodes coming your way soon.